0: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is Tanmay. Let's just dive right on in. Today on the show, we have Neilan Valu. Neilan co-founded a software company that automates campus event management. He's also worked in the beverage and health tech industries on corporate strategy and process improvement. And currently, he works as a junior principal at Human Capital, a San Francisco-based firm that's looking to change the way engineers work and hire. And he's also a first-degree black belt. <laughs> welcome to the show, Neilan. Great to have you.
1: Thanks for having me, Tanmay.
0: How's your day going so far?
1: Pretty good, pretty good so far. Um, day for me started off a bit early, just, you know, checking emails and whatnot. Um, how about you?
0: Yeah, same. It's, uh, it's been pretty good. Um, it's getting colder now, so I'm looking to break out my my Christmas sweaters soon, so that's oh, always yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's exciting <laughs> yeah. that the holiday seasons are coming around. I need to definitely, like, head back home and visit my folks, so. I'm excited. Yeah,
0: do you have any big plans for the holiday season?
1: Um, no, quite honestly just going back uh, to Chicago, seeing my parents, spending some time and then heading out here. So, how about you?
0: Cool. Yeah, same. I'll just be uh be with family and friends and eating a lot. Um, not going not going to the gym for a while. <laughs> I think oh, I think yeah. that I think that can wait until until it's the right time. <laughs>
1: yeah, it can wait until it comes into your new year's resolutions, you know. Can exactly. Wait for that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. All right. So, Nealon, um you you have quite an in- interesting background. So, you studied electrical engineering in college, um, mm-hmm. and as I mentioned in the intro, you're now working in an industry that isn't isn't directly related to your field of study. Um, yeah. So, what what sparked this interest for this this career path, and and what was that job search process like for you?
1: Yeah. So, job search for me was really interesting. Um, so, coming into college, I spent a lot of time sort of building and growing the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, so, joined this organization, EntreCore, where I, you know, May, you were there as well. Um, so, it was a startup consulting firm, basically, and that's where I got a lot of exposure to working with small companies. Wanted to start something of my own, and around that time is when I really started getting interested in sort of the whole startups, venture capital side of things. So, come senior year, for me, it was I was very set on joining a startup at some point in my life and starting something of my own. Um, and so I had sort of, like, a parallel track. I I decided that I would apply to a bunch of startups that I thought were really cool, and then I'd also apply to a bunch of VC firms um, that I thought were really interesting, so I could see how to evaluate a startup and potentially even join one later on, Um, and so, yeah, for me, uh, I was basically throwing apps uh, pretty much everywhere, and uh, went, went on site to a couple startups, and they weren't really, like, what I expected. The startup job search is a bit of like a black box, I guess. Um, And so for me, it was actually, I was having way more success on the VC side of things, applying for analyst associate level roles. Um, And that was when I was approached by Human Capital. Um, So Human Capital is basically the company that I'm currently at. And they were on campus meeting with a bunch of engineers. And that's sort of how I, you know, got involved in what we were building. And yeah, Got got into the VC space through that, so that's definitely been my yeah opinion. yeah
0: yeah. So so what um, what does Human Capital do, and what's your position there with the firm right now?
1: Yeah, so what we do is we're trying to build the agency for engineers. Um, so what we do is we partner with engineers at the start of their careers, um, and sort of try to get to understand them and what they want to build in the future, um, and try to help them out through every single one of their career junctions. So you. But you know as an engineer, you might start off your career at a large company, you might spend some years there, you might then want to go to a smaller company, you might even then want to start something of your own. And each of these career junctions, there's usually no support. Um, you're usually doing these all on your own, deciding these opportunities for yourself, not really having like a trusted source or a third party that you can rely on to help you out with these processes. So what we do is we help engineers, um, if, it's, if you want to go work for a big company, we help our members of our community. We help them negotiate their offers. Um, so we help with like salary negotiation, equity understanding. So like if you want to go to a large company, if you want to go to a more smaller company like startup, we have partnerships with the pedigree VC firms out here like, you know, Sequoia, Kleiner, Greylock. And so we will basically help our members recruit for startups within these high portfolios. Um, and then if you ever want to start something of your own, we have our own venture fund. Um, and we actively invest in our, in our community. Um, and then we also uh, invest in some of the companies that we partner with to help recruit for. So um, that's sort of the model. And my job is to basically interact with members in our community and help connect them with these opportunities. Um, so the principal role exists at Human Capital to basically be like uh, a connector um, dependent on what your certain skills and, and, and what your positives are. Um, so me specifically, I work really closely with a lot of our entrepreneurial members looking to potentially start something of their own, oftentimes these are students, you know, in college campuses that don't really know how to access capital. So helping fundraise and, you know, that sort of stuff. Um,
0: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so, I mean, we, that's, that's really fascinating. I think there's a lot of, a lot of great content you just mentioned there. So maybe um, for our listeners who may not know, um, Mm -hmm. you, talked about a lot of, um, terms within investing in venture capital. So maybe, and it's a, it's a very broad field, obviously, and it takes, it takes years and years to, to fully master it, but maybe can you, can you, uh, you know, explain the basics of how, of how a typical venture capital firm works or, or maybe just break it down into the basic uh, components?
1: Of course. Yeah. So venture capital, it's, it's a form of private equity. Um, so basically, investors just provide capital to startup companies, small businesses that they really believe, with the with the large injection of capital, will take off and ultimately disrupt a market. Um, so VCs, these VC firms, get investment from LPs, so limited partners like family offices, like endowment funds, large funds, sometimes in the trillions of assets that want to diversify their investments, will invest into an asset class like venture capital. So really VC firms are like money managers. Um, so their job is to take money, uh, invest in all these companies and return that money to their investors and then take a cut of it, essentially. Um, so yeah, the, so in terms of like investing and whatnot, uh, it's, in a, it's in a VC's best interest to in fact always swing for the fences. And you'll sort of hear this term in venture capital in terms of you know the baseball analogy of trying to get as many home runs as possible. Because these VCs are receiving large amounts of money, and they're basically making a promise to to 3x that, or even 8x that, or uh, some VC firms do really well and 80x that money. So um, that's that's sort of the the goal and the uh, the sort of engine behind VC.
0: Yeah, and so what is the? I mean, we often hear about um, you know in the in the news and and with a lot of media attention, we hear about companies that go through different series rounds of funding, right? Mm-hmm. So they'll have a series A and a series B. So can you can you break down what that means and, and what that um, what that typically looks like?
1: Definitely. Yeah. So a funding round is basically you go through these stages, these series financings, because you're never going to get all of the investment up front and deployed up front. There is a progress. It's a progress based thing. So when you first start fundraising, you usually raise your pre-seed or seed round. Um, And that usually comes from angel investors, maybe even your friends or family. Angels are basically individual investors um, who want to invest in the startups with their own money. They're not taking and managing people's money like VCs. And so you typically go and you build like, you know, your first pre-seed round. Maybe you raise like a million dollars and that's enough for you to get um, an MVP, hire a couple people, um, you know, get off the ground. Once you've basically shown that amount of traction, you go on to raise like a Series A. And then that's when you get the series sort of A, B, C, D. Um, And those rounds of financing usually come come later on and then it forms in like growth stage capital. And you see these series C companies, series D companies even potentially start thinking about, hey, we're currently at this point where we're stable enough of a company to actually hit the public market or potentially even be acquired. I mean, uh, acquisitions can actually happen at any stage in this process. Um so that's sort of like what the series financing means um and that's sort of what you're hearing when you when you read all these articles and you hear like hey robin hood went and raised like a series f round of financing um just means that's they've gone through like 10 or <laughs> 11 rounds of financing already to get to that stage
0: yeah yeah so you mentioned you mentioned like going public so that is mm-hmm. that is what's typically called an ipo correct
1: yes initial public offering yep
0: and so um with with these different rounds of funding, um, it seems like companies that are doing doing pretty well for themselves, they can get a lot of capital um, through these rounds of funding. So, what is the? I mean, is an IPO the ultimate end goal, typically, or is uh? It, what where does that fall in the process, and should should every company um, be striving to go public?
1: Mm, that's a very good question. So, it, the answer to that is that it really does depend. Um, you can have a really positive outcome as a founder for you, your employees, your shareholders. Um, an exit, uh, like an acquisition, could potentially be a solid outcome for your company, right? So, if you get an offer, for example, let's say you've started a company, you've raised up to a series B round of financing, and Google comes knocking at the door saying, Hey, um, we really like what you're doing, puts an offer that is currently way higher than the valuation of the company that you currently have. And it's something that you you just don't want to turn down because it's a great option for all of your employees maybe you don't currently see this as something that you want to continuously do and so then you basically sell the company so the the answer is that honestly it depends going public is sort of like the gold standard i guess you can say in venture because usually you have these companies that do go public and they're the ones that are owning these markets right like apple which was invested in by sequoia capital now you know, to date, it's one of the largest companies um, ever. So that's like, usually the goal is to go public, but sometimes it's in the best interest to potentially sell the company. Um, so, yeah, it's dependent. yeah.
0: Yeah. So in your in your experience right now as a principal and with your, um, just overall experience with the industry, what do these, these venture capital firms typically look for in a successful mm. company? I mean, we hear all the time, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's all about the the right idea, the right execution, right timing. Yeah. And although that seems pretty, you know, pretty, pretty basic and pretty trivial, obviously a lot of blood, sweat and tears are, are put into making those three, those three things happen. So, mm-hmm. um, what is what are the the typical metrics for success
1: that a firm might be looking at when they look to invest? Of course, yeah. So I can so firms each have like investment theses and and stages that they specialize on in investing in. Some firms, you know, are more early stage VC firms, and that's exactly what we are at Human Capital. Um, we like to lead seed rounds. Um, we write checks like up to two and a half million dollars. So not necessarily writing those $30 million checks or recently, I think I had one password raised 200 million in one round from Excel. That's not yeah. what we're doing. Um, so we're operating in the early stages. So I can speak to that a little bit in terms of what we look for, like really early on. So usually when I'm speaking with the founder, what I'm looking for, what we're looking for at human capital is trying to understand if the problem that they're solving and and who the person is that they'd be solving the problem for. So if, if that's not clearly defined, it is really difficult, right. For an investor to even make a risky, you know, sort of investment in something where they don't really even understand the problem statement. Um, So usually we want to really clearly define the problem and the person that would be being helped out by that. And then the sort of second thing that I'm looking for is to understand if the founder is truly the most unique person in the world to solve that problem. So, For example, um, you know, if we take something as terrible as, like, Alzheimer's, right? It's totally an illness that affects so many different people. But I'll be very honest with you. It's a problem that I'm, you know, personally, I really want to help solve. But I should probably, with my background, I should probably not be starting an Alzheimer's company. Haven't gone to medical school. um, Don't have any immediate relatives of mine that were affected by Alzheimer's. So I'm not really in a unique position to solve that problem. Whereas someone who's probably has a really close uh, relative who's gone through Alzheimer's and is currently, you know, has a lot of medical school experience, maybe even sold and started two companies of their own previously, that would be the best person to start a company in that space. So um, that's sort of the thing. Is like there's always at the early stages, there's that founder market fit. And then usually the third thing that I'm looking at is what has the founder done so far, right? Like what have they been doing? Uh, in order to to even ask for some money, you have to have shown some sort of progress, gotten off the ground, and have the distribution problem um, sort of tackled in the beginning. So if a clear sort of understanding of their progress is also very necessary. Essentially, it's just kind of like thinking, you know, you put yourself in the shoes of an investor. And they're just trying to de-risk it, right? Like they as much they want to get as much information as possible so that they can actually go ahead and make this investment and feel very confident about it. So it's the founder's job when you know always pitching or or trying to raise capital to really be clear about what what it is that they're doing and and basically telling the investor, hey, look, like I'm a very non-risky investment. Like this is going to work. And here's why this is going to work
0: definitely so it, you, you talked a lot about having the the appropriate domain experience in in the field that it is you're trying to break into mm-hmm. so that that begs the question um, should you for for our listeners who maybe are interested in in starting a company or approaching um, an idea for which they eventually would need funding mm-hmm. does that mean that they should be sort of crafting a, a resume, if you will, um, mm-hmm. that aligns fully with this idea that they're looking to build out or this company they're looking to build out? Or, or does the uh, importance fall more on the execution of the idea itself and less on their overall background?
1: Well, I would definitely say so. This also sort of ties into like the human capital thesis where, you know, what we believe in is if you want to start your own company, right? You don't recommend usually just starting a company just to start a company, right? There has to be a really solid reason behind it. And if you don't really have a reason, you know you want to start a company eventually. We think really the best option for anyone who's entrepreneurial is to go work at a, at a startup, right? Very early stages, work with the founder, really star-studded founder, crazy team. Get that network early on, see what it's like to actually go from a series A or a stealth company all the way to IPO to exit. And then start something of your own. Right, So that's kind of why we've actually developed this model at Human Capital where it's like, yeah, at the start of your career, most students coming out of college do want to start something, just don't really have the experience, don't necessarily know what they're interested in. Maybe they might be potentially interested in fintech. So what we'll do is we'll say, hey, we're currently working with a couple of really solid fintech companies like Bolt and Quali out in the space. And if you want to get recruited there, right, we can help you with that. We can help you get that experience. And then six to seven years down the line, when you've really been at this company, seen it grow, you can then definitely go start something of your own. And again, for the investor, they would definitely like, uh, for example, like I mentioned, Qualia. Qualia is in the real estate space. They're like a fintech company in the real estate space. Um, so if I was going to have one of my members, an ex-Qualia member of mine starting a you know, real estate company, uh, a tech company in the real estate space, that would be a pretty good bet to make, quite honestly. Um, just because they've gone to a company that's a winning company early on. So the, the, I guess the answer is, is that it really does come down to both. Like you do need to have sort of the experience uh, behind it. You have to really be able to explain why you are the one person who should be solving this problem. And you also need to be able to have a clear path to execute the solution for it. And another thing is that a lot of people, um, you know, look at venture capital as almost like startup bank. And I think that's actually probably a little bit disillusioned because as a VC firm, when they write a check to a company, the goal for them is to have a multiple billion dollar exit. That is the goal. Um, you know, they can definitely invest in a company and then sell the company for like sub hundred million dollars, but for them, they're not really making their LPs the returns that they've promised. Um, so for venture capital companies, they want to take a large stake and they want to really swing for the fences. Um, and so that's probably not oftentimes the best sort of method of financing for a business. You know, maybe if I was trying to, like, if you took even my company that I had started that campus event management company, um, we should have never even looked into venture capital. Um, we had an idea where it was very, you know, we would have scaled that business very linearly. We had clients that we would work with. It's not something that's going to scale exponentially and it doesn't really require that capital injection. Um, so yeah, that's what I would sort of say around there.
0: Sure, and obviously, with a lot of these venture capital firms, they're looking at the bottom line as their end goal. As you said, so they're they're looking at you know, how much can this this company that's in the small stages right now, how much can it scale um, and be successful. However, at the same time, you you mentioned an interesting application earlier with Alzheimer's, um, and and I guess in general, with any any um, any issue that's that's not yet been been that much explored by by the startup space and startup world how what is that what is that ratio of of a venture capital firm who's looking at the profitability of an idea or a company versus the impact it's having so Mm. you know as you you look at companies and you're looking to invest is there is there a moment in time when you say hey this really doesn't look that much profitable right now but i think that it's it's bound to have a great impact and and does that, does that waiver um, your, or does that change your decision in choosing to invest or not invest?
1: So profitability is a really interesting thing, right? Like you have all these companies now, uh, like even if you take like Uber, even saw what happened with WeWork. Um, there are business models that are created at the start with the expectation of profitability. Quite honestly, for me personally, and also for I mean, pretty much everyone at Human Capital, we don't like really investing in businesses with a, without a solid business model at the start of the investing process. So when we first sit down with the founder, um, Barish who's the managing partner of the fund, the question he likes to always ask the founder is, hey, like, let's walk through the business model. Let's, say, let's check the unit economics out and see if it really makes sense. For every dollar you're spending as a company, how much are you bringing back in, right? And how are you actually doing that? And so for us at the very start, what we wanna understand is what is this business model? Does, is this business model going to work? Does this business model actually bring in money? And is, is, is it sustainable? So that's what we're really trying to figure out at these early stages. Um, I guess that sort of does lead into the question that you were mentioning about, you know, expected profitability and it being it being long long term. There are definitely some interesting businesses where you don't really see that profitability early on, like some spaces, especially the healthcare space. Um, but the thing is, is there's so many dollars that are invested in that space, they're just being allocated inefficiently, and that's why we still have this problem. So, for a venture capitalist, their their sort of goal, right, is to say, "Hey, if I'm going to solve this problem, how do I basically create a business model that's so incentive aligned that we can all make money off of it?" Basically, so that's that's what I would say around there. Alzheimer's was definitely an interesting like example because that's a very sort of hardcore health tech problem, healthcare problem. Um, so, so it is a bit of a unique situation. But like, if you take like an enterprise SaaS company. VC firms definitely, you know, if you want, want the company to exit at a large amount and within a short period of time in order for them to see their returns back. So, yeah.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and we, we talked a lot about, about healthcare. So along with that, what Mm -hmm. other, um, you know, what are the, what are the happening industries right now in, in uh, when it comes to investing in venture capital? I mean, what are what's on your radar that you've been looking at?
1: Definitely. So, I mean, we're really like, uh, industry agnostic. Um, for us, it's just like, okay, if there's a problem that's out there and there is a great way to solve it and it's, there's a business model behind it that's extremely sound and the founder is really truly uniquely capable of solving it, we'll fund it. So an example of a company that we, uh, invested in at the early stages was Brex. And I don't know, have you heard of the company? I have not, no. So yeah, Brex is a really interesting company. They're a fintech company out here based out in San Francisco. Um, and the founders of the company, Enrique de Bregas and Pedro Franceschi, actually, these, Pedro himself, is was, he's was the youngest person, actually, in, in Brazil to jailbreak the iPhone. And Enrique was, like, coding video games uh, when he was, like, 12 years old. So really brilliant guys. They actually built and sold this company called Pagarme in Brazil, which was, like, the stripe of Brazil before coming to U.S. to pursue their studies at Stanford. Um, and so we met them, and we basically sat down with them. Um, and understood that these are phenomenal people, right? They've had this fintech experience previously. So they're very, as a founder, they're very uniquely capable of solving companies in the fin- solving problems, sorry, in the fintech space. Um, and so we originally basically heard th- the founders actually wanted to start a VR company. We really believed in the founders. So we invested, they got into Y <laughs> Combinator and then we, they pivoted over time and then they became sort of the fastest growing company. Um, in the fintech space. So within two years, they hit a $2.6 billion valuation. Um, and you know, now their billboards are like all over the place and whatnot, but a really cool company out here in SF that we were able to take a part of. So it wasn't, we weren't even sitting down with the founder because we wanted to invest in the FinTech space and then we reached out to them. That was not necessarily the case, right? The case was we wanted to understand what the founder wanted to start because Brex originally was a VR company. Um, We wanted to get to understand why they were uniquely capable of solving it. And that's sort of how we were able to embark upon that investment journey. And now actually my uh, my founder lives with the Brex founder. Uh, They live together out here in SF. So it's a cute little story of human capital.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Totally. So I guess um, sh- shifting gears a little bit. So we we're talking a lot about industries and, and yeah. what's, what's on the horizon. So um, for a lot of our listeners who who may be in college right now or are soon to be graduates, um, a big question for everyone, for, for yourself and for me was figuring out, you know, what is the industry that's right for me and when, where do I start my career and, and knowing that there is a right quote unquote industry. So, um, and I know the path for you was, was unique in the sense that you had throughout your, your, um, your college experience, you had the opportunity to work in various different industries and, and do a lot of consulting with startups. So you mm-hmm. had exposure to these different industries. So, um, what is your What is your advice, or what are your thoughts um, to our listeners who may be overwhelmed by the fact that there is a, a limitless possibility of industries to to start their career in?
1: Yeah, yeah. So my advice is always start early, right? And that's one thing when I look back at my career, I wish I had started really early. If you're even in high school and you're listening to this podcast, start early, like as early as possible. Try to get exposure and experience in things that you're that you feel like could be interesting that's really a large part of playing out whether or not you want to dive deep into something it's just exploring um and so one thing that i regret not doing is taking upon some you know weird experiences maybe even studying abroad or you know going to a different place to see what the problems are in that place um taking upon a special project for a summer and just working on it for three months um so sort of i guess it Rather than looking at it like, oh, let me pick an industry and then jump into it. It's more so like, let me explore multiple different things. Let me l- really see what does interest me so that I could dive head first. I think there are sort of two types of people, um, people who do want to, you know, dive into spaces and then people that are really space agnostic and don't really m- care too much about this industry or even the space, but ha- how they're solving a problem or how they're going to be able to grow, grow in that role. Um, so it is a bit of a mixed bag there, um, but always the advice I guess I always give is start early, start as early as possible, and try to get as many unique experiences as possible to see what you're interested in.
0: Definitely, yeah, yeah, and I think you and I had a had a um, a really cool opportunity throughout college to 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 work in the startup consulting space, yeah. and I think. Um, especially for you now that you're, you're in that space working with startups, I think that that has definitely crafted, um, our, our interest in our exposure to that ecosystem and it's only going to build up from there. Definitely. so Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah, so along with that, um, you know, as in, in all the, the different um, topics we've talked about thus far, um, I mean, for you, obviously, the learning came from somewhere, right? So um, yeah. I'm sure you've come across, um, you know, you, some some really good books or articles, organizations, other avenues mm-hmm. um, that have been impactful and, and really critical in your learning and growth. So, um, I'm curious for our listeners and, and even selfishly for me too, um, are there, are there any, um, any good resources you recommend for, yeah. for pick on, on, um, you know, consulting venture capital, um, Definitely. or even starting a company?
1: Definitely. I've, so I'm huge on podcasts. Um, I love consuming podcasts, always have my headphones on. So I'd really recommend um, listening to, of course, Hack the Industry. I love, <laughs> love what you're running over here. And also, um, if you've heard of Village Global's uh, Venture Stories, so they're a VC firm out here started by Eric Torenberg, and they basically cover range of topics. Sometimes they'll do a podcast on industry. Sometimes they'll have an LP a person who's invested in the venture capital space, basically come on and talk from an LP perspective, how they're looking at the spaces and whatnot. Um, so that's definitely really interesting is getting in like podcasts. And Andreessen Horowitz also has a phenomenal podcast studio. Um, so you can definitely hit up A16Z and Village Global, very great VC firms with some solid um, work around what they're doing with their podcasts. Um, and then in terms of books, for me, I definitely... So I get interested in certain spaces or I'll be approached with certain problems. And so for me, it's like, okay, I need to basically get up to speed on one singular space as quick as possible. So for me, it's, it's definitely a lot of article reading, random article reading. So I've actually um, subscribed to this uh, email list called uh, the browser. And it's basically an individual who reads like a thousand articles a day and then hand picks like five articles to send out to his uh, subscribers. Um, and he quote unquote calls himself the most well-read man on earth. And so I'll get like this list of random articles on random spaces that he personally believes are very quantitatively sound. So I'll read through those from time to time. So for me, it's, um, yeah, I don't really necessarily have like a book or something to recommend. i will definitely say if you're interested in something, then get into sort of reading about it either online or jump di- diving headfirst into it through a podcast or you know subs, you know consuming it through some sort of article basis that would be my sort of recommendation there um but yeah yeah uh, do you have any sort of suggestions i'm curious about like uh, any books that you might have read when you were getting into consulting startup consulting and stuff that you could recommend
0: yeah yeah so a few actually come to mind for me so um, thinking back, I think a, a really good book is Zero to one um, by mm-hmm. Peter Tio, who is a, a very, very well known um, uh, individual in the um, entrepreneurship space. Okay. Um, so he he basically talks about um, building companies from the ground up and and building something um, and bringing something new to the world, um, hence the 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 coinage zero to one. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely one I recommend. I also am a big fan of a book called The Innovator's mm-hmm. DNA. Um, So for all the listeners who are, um, you know, regardless of of what it is you've studied or are studying right now, it's a a good book on describing um, really the the innate or the internal characteristics of a, a good entrepreneur. Um, and somebody who's able to come up with ideas and execute on them so mm-hmm. that's definitely another one I, I really enjoy um, and then also kind of similar to what you mentioned about um, about these articles um, I also just like to go on to different um, trends reports so I'll I'll go and search up McKinsey um, which is a big consulting firm I'll go and read up on on um, different trends or reports that they publish for different industries yeah. um, and similarly um, big other big firms like Deloitte um, or um, uh, Boston Consulting Group. Um, so a lot of these big firms, they have entire teams dedicated to um, doing kind of what we talked about today. They they analyze um, what's happening, what's happened, and, and um, what is to happen in the future, and then go and write about it. So um, yeah. those are really interesting reads that I think um, are just good for anyone who's looking to just be up to date on what's going on.
1: Yeah, you're actually sort of, yeah, I'm sort of thinking of a couple of things right now. You're triggering my memory. Mm -hmm. I don't know if um, the viewers might know about Product Hunt. Um, Product Hunt is a website founded by Ryan Hoover. Really interesting sort of thing where a bunch of creators will upload their products. So it's not necessarily like they're pitching startups, but it's like a bunch of different products. You can go check it out. And every single day, there's submissions that are made on it. Um, Different, different people pitching different ideas. That's a really cool sort of website to check out. Um, and for anyone looking to get into entrepreneurship, I would really recommend YC Startup School. Um, so Y Combinator has put together this really cool series of lectures um, that, you know, quite honestly, I really believe are fundamental to starting businesses. They really help with the real fundamentals of, you know, what does it mean to have an incentive-aligned business model? What does it even mean to scale? Um, how do you hire the best talent and hire it effectively? Um, so YC Startup School, totally plugged that. Um, that's definitely a solid resource. Um and yeah like overall like I, I'm guessing if you're ever interested in tech like following TechCrunch always there'll be updates on startups that are raising you know crazy amounts of money and you can just sort of read about what startups are doing what I just often find myself just literally lost on TechCrunch like clicking from article to article to just read yeah. about what companies are raising what. Um, so that's another definitely great resource that I would recommend
0: Yeah. Yeah. And of course, when you've done all that, you come back to hack the industry and you top it off. Oh yeah.
1: Always, (laughs) always got to come back to hack the industry.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, you know, I think this was a very good discussion and a good primer on on venture capital and entrepreneurship. I think this will be a really good um, a really good listen for our viewers to take away some some good points and good resources. So, um, thanks a lot for for coming on the show. And I think um, this was a great starting point, and I'm sure that we'll be able to inspire a lot of listeners to um, take that first step as we talked about and dive into this. And if it's something that interests them, to just you know. Grab, grab it by the horns and, and uh, just keep going with it. So I uh, really appreciate having you on. And and um, and thanks again to our listeners. Um, as always, if you like what you hear, um, keep, keep giving us feedback. Um, hit us with a follow on Spotify. Um, and I don't have anything else. Um, anything else you want to add to to the show, Elon. Uh,
1: yeah, sure. Uh, if you are an engineer looking to join a high-growth startup, you can always reach out to me. Uh, my email is Nealon at human.capital. Just want to plug that real quick. Also, if you're yeah. working on anything, always reach out. Um, and yeah, no, I just want to thank you, Tony for actually putting this together. People really rarely take on, um, a hobby and go at it the way you're going at it. So method- methodically, and you reached out to me with a document and everything for questions. I really appreciate the level of time and preparation that you put around this. Family. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Yeah. And thank you guys again for listening. Um, and we'll see you next week.